Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're there, Proverbs chapter 1 is a great place if you want to learn how to live your life. The book of Proverbs teaches us the art of skilled living. The way we can live our lives in a way that honors God and makes good decisions. Decisions that sometimes really we need. Decisions that really can, who knows that there are some small decisions in life and there are some big decisions in life. And wisdom, especially heavenly wisdom, godly wisdom, helps us live the life we're called to live and so it's been a long time since I've read off the top the book of Proverbs. So this is kind of exciting for me. I'm, ex- I'm just like, this is cool, God. Like, I love this verse and I love what you're going to say here, but this is cool. So Proverbs 1, I'm going to begin here in verse 20. It says this, wisdom cries aloud in the street. In other words, God wants to make his wisdom obvious to you. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? I love that Bible word, scoffing. Scoffers and scoffing. Just sounds good. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? And verse 23, we're going to zoom in on today. If you turn, everybody say turn. At my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. What a promise. What a promise from God's word today. If you will turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Let's pray for the word today. God, we thank you for your word today, Lord. We thank you that it speaks life. Father, we thank you that your wisdom is available, that it's open, it's, it's ready, it's, 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 it's awaiting us. And so God, we thank you today for your word. We ask that you would speak through it powerfully. God, I pray for every single person that's in church today. God, I ask that you would give them a specific word that you would give them a specific encouragement. Father, that you would give them specific, personalized messaging today, Lord, from your word, your holy scriptures. And God, we pray for colonial kids right now. Father, we pray that you would do something specific in their lives too, that there would be life change because we've come around and submitted our lives to your word. In Jesus' name, and we all said? Amen. Amen. So today we're finishing our series first. And I've loved this series personally. There are so many amazing things about the nature of first principles in Scripture. It's, it's, it's all through the Word of God and something that you should take note of. Anything, something comes first in Scripture, God says is first, is first mentioned in Scripture. There's value upon it and there's a reason for it. The, the Bible wasn't put together by accident. Every verse, every word, carefully placed there by the Holy Spirit. And it's powerful when we understand that, we come around that revelation. And so this series has been good because there have been different areas I feel like God has taken us and wanted us to go. 
And so just a very quick recap, I started with talking about how God is first. God himself is first, that we may not put him in first place, but let's be assured today that no matter what, God is always first. And then the second part of the message was first bring. And that was about how we put God as first in the area of our finances, our increase, our income, what he brings into our life, what he blesses us with. It all comes from God. You might show up to work, but God gave you that work to show up to. And when we tithe, when we bring to God, we're not giving to God, we're returning to Him. We're returning it to Him, and then beyond that, we're generous with our lives. So that was an important message. And then just before last week, I preached a message called First Live. Now, if you weren't in church, and obviously that'll be the 11, 15 a.m. service, those people, this is not you guys, because you're committed Christians, but... If you missed that message, I really want you to listen to it. I really want you to to watch it because I felt like the Lord really put on my heart to address society right now is struggling with social media and anxiety and mental health and some of those issues. And I went down a couple of those streams and I offered some opportunities and some maybe some, some things that we could do that can help us understand that, no, actually, I can do what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, that whilst everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. Not everything is helpful. And we actually have the ability. You know, there's this amazing thing they put on phones. It's on the very side. And if you push it in for five seconds, the whole thing shuts off. It's amazing. But the reality is this, either I will rule those things or they will rule me. Screens, devices, media, social media, whatever it is, anything really when it comes to the potential to distract me and cause addiction and cause issues and whatnot. So that was an important message. But today, this is a title, First, Repent. First, Repent. We're talking about God first life. We're talking about putting God first. We're saying, God, you are the highest priority. Repentance is part of the Christian life. First, repent. We see in Scripture time and time again when repentance is mentioned, especially in the early church in the New Testament, the very first thing people are told to do, people are encouraged to do, people, uh, the Bible says repent. First, repent, and I want to take a moment and just talk about this word that doesn't get a lot of airtime these days called repentance. There are just some words that for some reason have just sort of been shoved to the back of the queue when it comes to to preaching and teaching and maybe in the church. I don't really understand why because the more you understand repentance, the more you realize how amazing it is. Another word could be obedience. I mean, Let's have fun and talk about obedience today. Repentance kind of falls into that category. But I want to take a moment and talk about it. The biblical definition for repentance, it'll be behind me, is a change of attitude and action from sin towards obedience to God. I want to show you just just right there. A change of attitude, which is the way I think, and then action. From sin towards obedience to God. 
Maybe you've been in church and you've heard a message about repentance and then usually there'll be a word, a literal definition for that word and I want to cover that really quickly and then I want to go into it a little bit deeper, okay? So I don't want anyone to walk away and be like, well, you know, you didn't give us the Hebrew or the Greek, okay? So I'm going to give you the Hebrew and the Greek, okay? The Hebrew meaning of repentance that we see, especially in the Old Testament, was expressed by a number of different actions, to show that a change in thinking and attitude had taken place. And in the Old Testament, you would see it, that there would be an expression of a repentant heart, tearing of clothes, wailing, um, outward uh, visibility of mourning, so people could see that there was a heart of repentance. And we see that especially in the Old Testament. Examples of that would be Ezra 10, Ezra 9, Joel 1, 1 Chronicles 21, And then in the the Greek, which is where we get our New Testament, repentance drives from a verb meaning to radically change one's thinking. Radically change one's thinking that leads to then a change in behavior. And we're going to talk about how that happens in a moment. Examples of some of these change in thinking and then change in behavior. I'll give you two examples. One is Zacchaeus. In the New Testament, the story of Zacchaeus who got up high, what happened to Zacchaeus is he had a revelation of Jesus. He had an interaction, a, uh, an up close and personal moment with Jesus. And what happened in Zacchaeus' life is he repented and then he made restitution. Or in other words, there was action that came along behind it. Restitution for the fraud that he'd committed as part of his occupation. That's Luke 19. Another example of this, in essence of what the word repentance means, is the Apostle Paul lashing the church, ravaging the church. What happened was he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and then radically changed his life and then started preaching the faith. See that? See what happened is there was a moment where a change in thinking happened. God did something, a change happened, and then an action followed. This is repentance. A couple of other verses, 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn. There's that word again. Underline that word. Turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Ezekiel 18, verse 21. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live and shall not die. Romans 2, verse 4, Or do you presume on the richness of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? First living for God means first repenting and to keep on repenting. We're not hyper-grace people in the sense that there are parts of the body of Christ that believe and kind of preach and teach that you just have to repent once. And that's true. You do re- you, you, when you repent and say, Jesus, I need you, forgive me of my sins, you enter the kingdom of God. But then it's foolish to think that we don't need repentance the rest of our lives. Because we go on this journey and there needs to be a continual cycle of repentance in our lives. This is how we stay healthy as believers. 
This is how we stay spiritually cleansed. This is how we stay, have a heart that remains healthy. Let me ask you a question. How often do you say to God, sorry, I got it wrong? How often do you come before the Lord acknowledging sin and saying sorry to God? This is why it's one of the most important things that Jill and I do with our kids is we make them say sorry. Because I want them to learn that when they get to the age of understanding and the age of coming into a relationship where they're kind of on their own with them and God, I want them to know what it's like to say sorry to God and to others. Because repentance is a continual cycle. It's a thing we just got to keep doing. There needs to be this cycle of our hearts being repentant before the Lord. So how does it happen? And what do we need to know today? And how do we put this in our life? How do we have it in our life? Point number one, repentance means to acknowledge sin. Okay? And I'm okay with a little bit of silence right now. All right? I get it. It's one of those topics. Okay, cool. We good? Repentance means to acknowledge the sin in my life, to, 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 to confess, to fess up, to figure out, to come to a place of saying, yes, okay, this is wrong. And I want to submit to you today, that's a good thing. Repentance has been twisted by the enemy to become this word that's not good. It's actually a great word. Yeah. To willfully embrace that moment that says, I actually, what I'm doing is wrong before the Lord. And I need to come before him and embrace it and say, God, I've messed up. I've sinned. Forgive me. To willfully embrace it is important. And everything up until that point is simply blame, denial, and maybe delusion. And this is what we do. We justify. Come on, somebody. We've all been there. I've been there. We explain. You ever tried to explain your sin to God? That's a funny conversation. It's like, well, God, you don't understand how hard this is for me. You don't understand what I'm going through. We try to justify, we try to explain, we try to put reasoning around it, but the Holy Spirit does this thing in our lives that we need to understand just to exist, okay? We are born of the flesh, and then when we are born again, we are born of the Spirit. And this is the issue with sin, is when we are born of the Spirit, there will always be an abrasive nature between sin and the Spirit of God. So when sin comes up to your spirit life and your spirit man, there's just something that doesn't work. Are you with me? And you feel it and you know it and you sense it and the Holy Spirit is like, Maddie, what are you doing? This is not right. And my fallen nature rages against my spirit man. I'm helping people today because you feel this. And what happens is, is my fallen nature tries to tell my spirit man what to do. 
But the power of God in my life means that I can overcome that. But repentance means to acknowledge it. To get to a place, a place of understanding. And inside of each of my three points today, I wanted to give us the answer, the solution. And I love it because it's a continuation of what Pastor PJ spoke on last week. Wasn't that message just amazing last week? The anointing makes the difference. But the Holy Spirit tells me what is wrong and shows usually through the Word what is wrong. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. His role in our life is to tell us when something is wrong in our lives and lead us in the direction of what is right. But we have to be willing. We have to be open. We have to have have ears that are open to what He is saying to us. Holy Spirit correction is blessed correction. This is what happened to the rebellious, reckless prodigal in Luke 15. Remember the story of the lost son? Just before the story of the lost son, Jesus tells a story about lost coins. I want to read that to you. It's interesting that comes right before the story of the prodigal. But it's actually a story of repentance. Luke 15 verse 8, Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? But when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Listen to it. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the story of the prodigal, as we know, he asks dad for the money. Dad allows him to take the money. Then he goes off and lives this life thinking that he's... He's fine and does, and he comes to himself in verse 17. It says, but he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. Look at this. This is repentance right here. And it's an acknowledgement that I've taken the wrong path. He said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants are better off than me? I've made a mistake here and I need to change. But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is what God's spirit does in our lives. He shows us what's wrong, but he always helps us to know what's right. We have to be willing to acknowledge sin in our lives. I love that the Holy Spirit is always so kind about it. Some people have been raised in church to think the Holy Spirit's there just to convict you. Convict you and point the finger at you. But it's always about grace. It's always about the Holy Spirit coming alongside me and grabbing me by the hand if I'm willing to be led and saying, hey, son, this isn't right. Come with me to the way of life. Let me show you the way you need to go. This is... God's love for us, but we have to be willing and big enough and able to acknowledge and appreciate and come around sin for what it is, which is sin. Sin is part of our fallen state. We sin against God. We sin against other people. It just happens. It's part of our fallen state, which is why we need God. Okay, but this is how we stay spiritually healthy as God's people. So number one, repentance means to acknowledge sin. Number two, Here we go. Repentance means I will do something about it. 
I will do something about it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unlock something here for you because I know what you're thinking immediately. You're like, is this a workspace thing? You one of those workspace preachers now? No, I'm not. <laughs> but the Christian life, there's always two sides of the coin. Now watch this. There's always two sides of the coin. There's revelation that comes from God and there's action that comes with that revelation. It's, the same, it's always the same with God. There's invitation and there's response. There's always this thing with God where He wants to show us something and then He wants to invite us into the process. And repentance means that I will do something about what He's showing me, that an action will come, that a response from me will come. I love the biblical language here um, that we're given all through Scripture. It says to turn away. To turn, like there's a sense of my life being turned around, but I'm part of that. And I take that instruction, I take that Holy Spirit leading and I turn my life, but it starts with my mind. It starts with a decision. It starts with a choice. And the Holy Spirit shows me what's now needed to be done. What's now needed to be addressed. And then we go about it. But there are excuses that we always use. I just wrote down a list of some of the excuses that I feel like sometimes we use that I personally have used before. Some of these excuses. Here's one. I'll never be able to change. That's a lie. It's a lie because it's not you anyway. Your lifestyle, listen to me, is not a foregone conclusion. You can change. Because God helps you change. And if you're in here today and you feel like you're stuck in a rut, you feel like you can't get out of a hole you're in, can I just encourage you, have faith in God because it's the power of God who helps lift us to a higher place. He takes us higher than we could ever go ourselves. And so to just accept the lie that I will never change, I believe is wrong. Another excuse could be, well, I just can't do it. I just can't do that. Well, that's also a lie because it's not you doing it anyway. It's the power of God working in you. Paul called it the deposit. There's a guaranteed deposit in you that's just in you. God is in you. I remember when I first heard uh, first heard that scripture for the first time, I was just like, man, that's so cool that there's just a little part of God in me. And that little part of God that's in me has immeasurable power. The immeasurable power that just surpasses all of my power, that is what helps me change. So to say, well, I just can't do it, you're forgetting about your power. God's power in you. Another excuse that we use, and this is one that I see a lot, people say this, I've said it before, well, this is just the way I was brought up. This is just where I've come from. That's a lie. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And it goes on. It says, The old has passed away. Behold, the new 
has come. I was raised in Australia and Australians have a way of raising their kids. And my parents raised me that way. You get tough. You have a tough exterior. You figure out you don't show any weakness. You raise your voice. You get on with your life. And I love the Lord. He's got such a sense of humor. I married Jill. And I had to change. (laughs) But I had to change my mind. I had to change my mind about who I was because I had to change my mind because I'd seen Jesus and I'd read 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, which said, I am a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, so the old me is gone And why am I bringing the old me back into this new equation? And I had to change. I had to repent before the Lord. To repent means I'm changing my ways. God, I'm going to change the way I think about how you can work in my life. The old is gone. The new has come. And this is just something we don't talk enough about. And I think it's something we need to turn the volume up a little on in our own lives. Maybe in your family, maybe in relationship with your children. Can I just encourage you, talk about repentance. Teach them how to have a repentant heart before the trouble comes, before the the, the seasons of life come. Um, This isn't like putting kids down. This isn't putting people down. This is teaching people how to walk with God. How to keep coming around a life where you you keep a soft heart before God. Why is it so hard to say these words these days? I was wrong. Why? Why is it so hard? Well, I think I know why. It's because we've stopped saying it to God. And I personally am committed to as often as the Holy Spirit will tell me I need to, to come before my Father in heaven and say, God, I'm sorry I got it wrong. Help me change. Repentance means I will do something about it. I will change my mind. But this is what happens And this is why it's so important to be in church because it's in the moment that I say, okay, God, I'm choosing, I'm making a decision, I'm gonna change my ways, I'm choosing to go your way. That's when the Spirit of God comes into my life. In that moment, God's Spirit comes in and then I'm able to change. My life changes. And we look back and we're like, man, I am not the person I used to be. By the grace of God, isn't it wonderful? Repentance. We've got to keep saying sorry to God and sorry to others. We've got to be so embracing of correction. One of the things that I just I see so much is people just don't want to be corrected anymore. People see it as a bad thing. I, I, I now see it as a really good thing. I want to learn and correction has an amazing way of teaching us beautiful things. John said this in 1 John 2. It's a verse that has always hit me right in the heart. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The pride of life. Pride can get in and stop us from repenting before God. And we live a lifelong battle with pride. For the rest of our lives, you know what we're going to be battling with? Those three things that John just said. The flesh, the eyes, the pride of life. This is why repentance is so good to talk about. Because I believe those three words, I was wrong, will lead and unlock freedom in our lives. It will change things in our lives. It will keep our hearts soft before God. I don't want to take the long road with God teaching me things. I just don't. I mean, who wants to drive all the way to Boston and go via Texas? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, if you really like Texas, maybe. But repentance does so much for us. I made a little list of what repentance does in our lives just to make it a little more obvious for us today. What does repentance do for us? I made a little list. Here we go. It turns us from leading ourselves. Repentance, it also it helps us to see what is right. And it often keeps us from the enemy. Something else that repentance does for us, it helps us forgive others quickly. If you struggle to forgive quickly, it's because you might have issues of repentance in your heart. Because, listen to me, people who are forgiven, forgive quickly. Something else that repentance does for us, it changes the lens in my life from the temporal to the eternal. Because when I repent before God, I'm reminded, I'm actually going to spend all of eternity with you, Lord. In that one moment, I've shifted from my earthly moment, my earthly temporal thing to the eternal God that I serve. It shifts the focus in my life from what's temporary to what's eternal. Is this making sense this morning? It helps me understand, God, there's a bigger picture here. And I've got a small part in that picture. It changes the lens. It gives me the scope of eternity. Something else that repentance does. It denies me what I want. But it supplies in me what God wants for me, which is always what is right for me. See, repentance, there's something about it where, where I'm denied something. And this is maybe something else that, struggle, that we struggle with in this generation, is we want instant gratification. We want answer yesterday, supply yesterday, provision yesterday. God, why am I so worse off? But repentance before God denies something in me and makes a way for God to give me what is actually right for me. That's what repentance does. It denies me what I want. And the more I go on, the more I realize I, some of this stuff, I, I just need to trust God because I don't want it anyway. There's too much trouble with it. There's too much that comes with it, the strife and issues and all kinds of things. And I just need to keep my eyes on God because He will give me the right thing. And when we come before the Lord in repentance and say, God, I choose today to repent, it brings me what I need. 
But ultimately, this is what repentance does. It brings me closer to God. And that's my third point. Repentance means to turn your mind towards Jesus and put your focus on him. To take the focus off us, to take the focus off my problems, to take the focus off maybe the sin that's at hand and to put my focus on the one who saves the one who heals, come on somebody, the one who gives grace, the one who supplies all of my needs. And as we keep our focus on him, you know what happens in life is sometimes we need to to keep coming back, keep coming back to where we need to be. It was a few years ago, I've shared this story before, but it's just, it's a good one. And to be honest, I just like remembering it. But Jill and I, we used to own a sailboat. And for the second time, we went offshore. We went outside the inlet, bravely. It was a beautiful day. Went out the inlet, and we had Maisie with us. She was about eight or nine at the time. And we went out the inlet, and it was just one of those beautiful moments. Shut the engine off, got the sails up, and we were just, I mean, I had these sails trimmed perfectly. Like, if I'm patting myself on the back right now, that's exactly what's happening. Those sails, they were trimmed perfectly. And we decided to head out. We headed out east, and then we took off north, and we went almost up as far as Ponte Vedra. And it was starting to get to that time where the wind in the afternoon was starting to, to, to pick up, and we turned and turned south and started to come back towards St. Augustine to make our way back. And the wind started to pick up and the boat started to heel over a little bit more and lean over. If you've been on a sailboat, you know what I mean. It's this beautiful feeling where the boat feels like it's going to tip over, but it doesn't. And you kind of lean over and then you just pick up speed. And it was amazing. I'm reliving it right now. And it was in that moment as we were moving back down the coast, headed towards the inlet, Maisie says to, to me, she's like, Dad, can I get behind the wheel? And I'm looking at the boat and I'm looking at the waves and looking at the wind and like, oh yeah, okay. And she's brave. She's just always up. She knows how to do stuff. She's amazing. And I'll never forget the boat's healed over and she puts one leg over this side, gets stable and she's just behind the wheel of our sailboat. And it's amazing. This moment's just incredible. Never forget it for the rest of my life. And then she says, dad, what do I do now? And I figured, okay, she needs, she needs to know the destination. She needs to get a bearing on something. And I just said, okay, see the lighthouse? I said, put the bow on the lighthouse and keep the bow on the lighthouse. That's where we're going. Just keep, can you see it? Put it on the lighthouse. And she was doing her best. And she's like, dad, I just, I, I can't keep it on the lighthouse. I was like, that's what you got to do. Use the wheel. If, if you get off course a little bit, the bow moves off the lighthouse, just move it back. And we kept making our way down the coast, little, little moments, little moments, little moments. We'd get off course and and we sailed all the way back. It's exactly the same as your life and my life with God. And this is the power of repentance, is we sit there with the wheel. And if we're willing and open and we're happy to obey the voice of God and the voice of the Holy Spirit, what does He say in that moment? He says, come back a little bit, come back a little bit. Get back on course. And repentance helps us stay where we need to be. Course correct when needed. 
And I'm not saying for a single second that you've got to walk around your life and be miserable because you're always doing something wrong. Listen to the voice of God. Repentance keeps us focused on turning our mind to Jesus. It always leads us to the feet of Jesus, the place where we need to be. And here's what I'm believing for you, is repentance is going to unlock freedom. Repentance is going to mean that you feel a grace you've never felt in your whole life because you just opened up your heart to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you'll just keep sailing on to the destination that God has for you. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for our hearts. Because what happens is if we can unlock this, we open up our hearts for the Holy Spirit to work. But as long as we don't repent, then He's kind of precluded. (laughs) He's kind of kept out. But if we're willing especially when we invite Him in, He comes. He always comes in. He fills us. He graces us. He provides for us. He gives us the knowledge we need. He gives us the the wisdom we need. Remember what it said at the beginning of this message, Proverbs 1? It says, if you'll accept my reproof, I'll pour out my Spirit within you. I'm believing for a mighty outpouring of the Spirit right now. As we accept the correction and the wisdom of God and say, God, we've done it wrong. We've got it wrong in this area. I've messed up. I need you, Lord. Scripture promises I'll pour out my Spirit within you. So with every head bowed, why don't you just right now ask the Holy Spirit, where is this needed in my life? What area of my life do I need the grace and the wisdom of God? What part of my heart needs some spiritual work right now? God, where am I wrong? Because I want to admit today I'm wrong and I need your help. It could be a relationship right now. It could be financial. It could be with your, your children. It could be with the generations. It could, be, it could be at work. It could be the way that you're going about something in your life. I don't know what it is, but I know this God does. And if we'll invite Him in, He's going to come in. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now for our hearts. Would you do the work that only you can do? God, we want to admit to you we've done wrong in this area. We confess. We admit it. God, we say we're sorry. God, help us to have hearts that are soft before you, that accept your help, that accept your wisdom, that understand we need you, God. Would you course correct us right now? Would you put us back on the path we need to be? Would you help us, Lord, in Jesus' name? Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.